0: to my Strength and My Shield, a podcast about spiritual and self-care. My name is Nisi and this is episode 14, The Love God Wants for You. So just in time for Valentine's Day, I wanted to get this episode out to you. Now, this is not going to be an episode for you know the top 10 tips on getting a man or finding a boo or getting God to give you a relationship. Um, I want this to be a real conversation about what love is and also what love is not. I want to talk to you about the love that God wants for you over the love that you may want for yourself and how to differentiate between the two. Now, I've mentioned this before. I don't believe in unconditional love. The only one that gets my unconditional love is God. And when it comes to healthy relationships, there has to be conditions and boundaries There has to be conditions of respect and trust and honesty. Now, the person you're with doesn't have to be perfect. And you can have major disappointments in a relationship and work through it in a way that makes you both stronger. But in order to do that work, there has to be trust and respect and honesty. Now, I've spoken before about the ills of seeking perfection in your life. And even with the last episode about the paradox of perfectionism, I talk about the harms of worshiping and idolizing a perfect life. But there are also problems with seeking perfection in your relationship. God is always working on you, and it makes sense that God will always be working on your partner. And we have to adjust our expectations for the person we're either with or that we're looking for. So the conversation then becomes not about finding the perfect person, but rather the person who is most committed to your growth And persevering through tough times, and the person that's gonna aid you in the purpose that God has for you, all motivated by love and respect. Now, if you notice, I didn't put out an episode last week, and in the vein of full transparency, I personally am going through it in my own relationship. Now, you may wonder how could a person who's struggling put out a podcast about love? And I say that. You know, there's two things. First, if you're only listening to a person's story because you think they're perfect, and the reason why you value or respect them is that you think they have it all figured out. You know, that's a really unrealistic expectation to have. And you're always going to be disappointed because no one is perfect. And for me, the people that I value and respect the most are the ones who are honest and can show me, you know, a testimony of growth. And that's where I come from in terms of any time I do share something personal um, in a very public way. But the other thing about it is you can know what love God wants for you. And that can also be a source of contention in a relationship. If you know how things are supposed to be, there's nothing wrong with taking a step back and figuring out reflectively what's going on here. Are we doing what we're supposed to do? Are we on the right track for what God wants us to do? And so I can, as a person who has hit a rough patch, still come and talk to you about love and the love that God wants for you because you don't have to be perfect to understand God's love. That's essentially what it means to be a Christian, right, is that we admit that we're not perfect, that we're flawed, that we're just trying to figure life out, and we lean on God for understanding. So. I would be remiss if I'm telling you guys to seek God in all of your aspects of your life, and I'm not being transparent about the ways that I have to seek God, even in a relationship, even in a relationship that is grounded in spirituality, that is full of love, full of support, there are still going to be tough times. And so I hope that this conversation is uplifting or enlightening to whether you are in a relationship, Whether you're in a relationship that's perfect and everything's going well and you're trying to prevent any hardships in the future, or if you're in a relationship and things are tough, or even if you're a person that's single, I think it's important to understand the role that love has in our life in terms of figuring out how we navigate things like dating. So I hope that you find this podcast interesting, helpful, that you haven't turned it off just because Nisi has disclosed that everything isn't perfect. And I just hope that you enjoy it and that this becomes an an honest opportunity for reflection. So if you could just close your eyes and lend your spirits so that we can go forward in prayer before we get into the topic. Dear Lord, thank you for love. We are blessed to follow a religion that is rooted in love and the love that Jesus Christ had for us. And it's so important that in matters of love, we turn to you for support and guidance So many times we pray to you about jobs and school and work and our careers and all those things that can add to superficial successes and gains. But oftentimes we don't invite you to come into our hearts to work on the things that we're going through. We often forget to pray for our hearts and we often forget to pray for the person that we're seeking to be in a relationship with we forget that the most important thing that we're called to do is to love and if we're not taking steps to make sure that we understand what love looks like we may be missing out on opportunities to get closer to you and to step into our purpose i pray that you just open hearts that you allow people to have an open mind an open understanding of what love is and is not that you change some hearts that maybe you encourage people to take some steps forward And maybe you also encourage people to take some steps to walk away. I pray that you allow us to be guided by love and your will and not our own selfish egos and our own understandings of what love and a perfect relationship looks like. I pray that you push us, encourage us, and support us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So as we get to the first part of the podcast, the spiritual work section, I want to remind you that you can always head to www.mystrengthandmyshield.com. There you'll find the worksheet for this episode where you'll find the scriptures for this part of the podcast, as well as the self-work section where we're going to be talking even more about what love does not look like. And really, it's a great opportunity for you to have a worksheet, something tangible that you can look on after you finish listening to the podcast or even while you're listening to the podcast to follow along. So go ahead and head over to www.mystrengthandmyshield for this week's episode. So I wanted to start this section to talk about the importance of love. Now the Bible is full of demonstrations about how important love is. You know, we're told in 1 John 4 verse 8, anyone who does not um, excuse me, who does not love does not know God because God is love. And it's a very simple phrase, but it really just comes down to understanding our relationship not only with God, but then our relationship with others as we understand that the most important thing we are called to do is to love and how important it is if you are a person that is seeking God to also be a person that seeks love. But sometimes love can just seem this big abstract thing. You know, more and more, I see how different People can say the word love and mean different things. It's why you can have a person say, I love you, but then they still mistreat you. Or a person who says, I love you, but their actions don't match up with their words. So it's important for you moving forward to navigate the space of relationships to understand what love is. That if you have a firm understanding of what love is, you can begin to see what love is not. And I also want to just stress how important um, we're told over and over again in the Bible, the importance of marriage. And there is something holy and special about the, this covenant that we take before God. You know, getting married is not just about, you know, this really cute thing where you're getting married and you get the dress that you've always wanted and the fantasy of it all. It's supposed to be about a union between you and someone else that brings you closer to god that if you're not getting married as a christian if you're not getting married for the purpose of glorifying god's name then you really have to reassess the health of your perspective on love because if you're not doing it to glorify god then why even take a vow before god you know are you doing it just because marriage is the thing to do or because you know the tax benefits you get of being a a married person versus single (laughs) You know, if you are taking this covenant before God, you have to take it seriously. And that means understanding how holy and important love is as a foundation, not only for our faith, but also how we navigate our relationships, whether it's romantic or just with the average person, because we're also called to love strangers. Um, So I wanted to, you know, when we're having this conversation, I always want to root it in scripture, okay? Because we are going to be talking about romantic love today so if you look on the worksheet and in general just look to ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 it says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor if either of them falls down one can help the other up but pity anyone who falls and no one and has no one to help them also if two lie down together they keep warm how can one keep warm alone Again, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. How can one keep warm alone? Now, to be clear, this passage is not about cuffing season and how when it gets cold, you need something to keep you warm. <laughs> it's just a metaphor. I think the The purpose of this is to remind you of the purpose of being in a relationship with someone else. A lot of times we enter into relationships for the wrong reasons, and they may feel like they're the right reasons because they give you some temporary satisfaction, but to have that long understanding of a long, healthy relationship with someone You have to understand that there's a divine purpose to love and being in a relationship. And this scripture tells you that it's because of the good return for the labor, that two heads are better than one. But also that if you have a plan and you're moving forward and you have goals, it is also good to have someone there to help you. One of the biggest mistakes that we can make is to think that we have to go through life alone. God is constantly placing people in strategic places to help us achieve our purpose. And that's how you have to see a romantic relationship, as a strategic move on God's part to give you someone to help you along the path that he has for you. That it's not just about you and the love that you want and the love that you deserve, but the person that God has for you is going to help you on the path to the things that he is calling you to do. So it's tough, right? Because, you know, it's not the sexiest thing, right? Like when we think of relationships, we think of romance and being swept off your feet and all the the warm, fuzzy feelings. And that stuff is important for that initial, you know, connection because there does have to be a connection in order. um, I believe there has to be some kind of connection. It doesn't have to just be like, a sexual connection, but it has to be some kind of connection that makes you feel close to this person that encourages you to build intimacy with that person. But imagine how life would be if we navigated the relationships we had with people based on whether or not this is helpful to my purpose and whether or not this is helpful to glorifying God's name. Think of the friendships you would let go if you started to think, is this person a part of God's plan for me? Are we friends by circumstance or are we friends because we choose to be here and we lift each other up? Now imagine applying that to also your relationships as well. That you thought to yourself, is this the person that God has for me? Because I believe that the purpose of our relationships is to find a person who helps us to be the person God intends us to be. And our partners are made to be our helpers. Like Gender roles aside, when God created you know, this idea of marriage in Adam and Eve, it was that this person was created to help. That the task that we are called to do in life sometimes feels so heavy. Just having someone by your side to help you is a part of God's purpose and plan. That the person we're with is not there to satisfy our egos or our lust or our need for attention. Our mates are here to be a guide to us. as we're going towards being the person that God wants us to be. And obviously, you know, when I said gender roles aside, I mean a man should be a helper. A woman should be a helper. Any person that's in your life should be there to help you. So you have to ask yourself certain questions. Is this person a stumbling block? Does this relationship cause me to get closer to God? Or does it cause me to turn from God? Do you find yourself distracted from church and Bible study because of your relationship? Do you find yourself becoming a person that isn't who you thought you'd be just because you're in a relationship? Do you find yourself compromising who you are and what you stand for in order to be in a relationship? Are you putting up with things that God would not want you to put up with because you don't want to be alone? That's what I think of when I see this Bible verse, you know, in Ecclesiastes four, verse nine, is that the person that you're with is supposed to be your helpmate to help you do the work that God has called you to do. And you have to get the imagery, right? Like imagine a person, you know, working hard in the field. What is helpful to them? A person who is, you know, sitting on a rock and watching them do the work. Or is it someone who will get up, pick up the tools, and help them as they are doing their work? And further, what's, what's worse is if, if you're trying to do your work and a person is literally the physical stumbling block stopping you from doing what you have to do. And you have to ask yourself emotionally, is this person being helpful? And you also have to ask yourself, am I being a stumbling block? If you're dating someone who is taking a vow of celibacy, are you making it harder for them? If you're a person that sees someone struggling with their self-esteem, are you picking at them and making it worse? Are you a person that needs a relationship so bad to validate your own feelings that you've stopped committing to helping somebody else with their own struggles? This is how you start to reflect on what is and is not a healthy relationship. Because I think when you're in the beginning stages of a relationship, it's so great to just find someone that you connect with, that you have fun with. But when you think about it in the source of what does God want love to be for you, what is the love that God actually wants for you? You have to connect it to your purpose. You have to know who you are and you have to know who God calls you to be so that you yourself can put yourself in a position of success. And that includes surrounding yourself with people or specifically one person that helps you with your goals. Now, I don't think that you have to be a perfect person to deserve love or know exactly what you want to do in life in order to have a healthy relationship. But it's difficult to find a partner to help you develop your purpose if you're not taking time to work on that. If you do not know who you are or who God has made you to be, it's easier for a relationship to take you off track. It's easier for you to stick around in a bad situation. When you're struggling with issues of low self-esteem, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be in a relationship. But you have to know that the lower you feel about yourself, the easier it will be for someone to manipulate and exploit those vulnerabilities. You have to fortify yourself. Know who you are and see the person that God wants for you. It's not just about, you know, this guy is is really cute and makes me laugh. No, it it has to be deeper than that if you're guiding yourself in a way where you're looking for a long-lasting love. You don't have to be perfect, your partner doesn't have to be perfect, but it's important that you identify a toxic relationship. It's important that you identify that this relationship is taking you off track from God. Do you find yourself spending every weekend with this person and can't remember the last time you went to church? Are you guys praying together? Are you praying for each other and praying with each other? I know for me, in my relationship, anytime there's been some kind of struggle, it's almost like clockwork, that we may take a step back and realize, wow, we've been really consumed with work, and we haven't had a chance to pray. Or this past weekend, we missed church. And and it takes the commitment to get back on track. That's how you know that a relationship is healthy, is that if one person sees you getting distracted from what God wants you to be, they'll pull you back. And it's not just that, well, you know, we're in love and let's just do whatever we want to do. You want to be in a relationship with someone that's constantly reflective. And it's like, wow, why are things so tense? Oh, you know what? We didn't pray this morning. Let's go ahead and pray. And it's interesting how just being consistently inserting God's purpose into your life and into your relationship can make things so much easier. Again, I have to stress that I'm not saying that you have to be perfect or that the person you're with has to be perfect. But the person that God wants for you is someone who is consistently working on themselves and committed to working on the relationship. Because the relationships will always get hard, especially if you're on the path towards marriage. Marriage makes things worse. Marriage makes things harder. Like, (laughs) If, uh, if you think that getting to marriage means that everything will work itself out and fall into place, that finally once you live together or finally once your bills are merged or finally having their last name or finally being able to have their children is going to make it all work out, I'm here to tell you that that's just not true. That doesn't mean that you need to have a perfect relationship in order to have a perfect marriage. But I want to encourage you to consistently insert God into your relationships. And before you enter into a relationship, as soon as you meet someone that may have your romantic interest or peak your romantic interest, you need to stop and ask yourself, God, is this the person you want for me? Dear Lord, I'm starting to get attached to this person. Dear Lord, we've had a couple of dates and I'm starting to feel like this may be the one. Can you let me know? Can you confirm to me what I'm already feeling? And that means that you have to take a step back and actually listen when God tells you, this person is not the one for you. This is about developing discernment and about letting every part of your life be something that brings you closer to God. If you are not praying to God about your relationship or you're not praying to God about dating, then you're setting yourself up to be in a situation where the person that you're with will pull you away from God. Allow yourself to orient your thinking and the choices you make about who has my best interest in in heart and who will lead me closer to God. Now, the next part is, I, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit more about what love is and what love is not. And I'm going to obviously talk about 1 Corinthians verse 13. It's the the Bible verse you hear over and over and over again in every wedding. (laughs) Um, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth love bears all things believes all things hopes all things endures all things now that's a lot of times that's where the bible verse stops but i want to push it a little bit more and read the rest of the bible verse love never ends as for prophecies they will pass away as for tongues they will cease as for knowledge it will pass away for we know in part and we prophesy in part but when the perfect comes the partial will pass away Now, when I read the entire passage, what I see is a conversation about the maturity of love, that it's about growth and it's a process, and that the strongest relationships, to me at least, are the ones where they're committed to that growth and committed to that maturity and not wanting to be stubborn and cling to old things that worked in the past. To an extent, there has to be a flexibility, and adaptability to love. Because like, for example, in the part that says giving up childish ways, that's, that's talking about the fact that when you're when you love someone, you let go of some of those childish things. Like as a child, you want things that gratify only you. It's me. It's mine. If you've ever seen a kid who's going through the terrible twos, you know that no and me and mine are the words that you hear over and over again. Gimme, me, 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 me. But in a relationship, you let go of those childish things and you pursue something more mature. And that's what this conversation about love is. It's about seeing love in a more mature way, not just in the way that is self-gratifying, but in a way that uplifts you and uplifts God and your partner. Because it talks about love being patient and kind. So if you have a partner, you know, it, and I talk about what love is not, right? So when you think about what love is, it can be a lot of fluff, right? It's those warm, fuzzy feelings. But you also have to talk about what love is not. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in the self-work section of the podcast. But if love is patient and kind, and you have a partner who is not patient and is not kind, then that's not a healthy relationship. And, uh, you know, Jealousy and envy, it erodes love. And when you have your insecurities, it can destroy what is ultimately a healthy relationship, which is why it's so important to work on your personal issues and your self-esteem. And further, it also talks about rejoicing in truth, right? So being honest with your partner is a way to show love and for them to show you love as well. Like, if you have a relationship where... You know, there's a lot of sneakiness, a lot of mistrust. It's going to fall apart because what a lot of people don't understand is that honesty is a way that you show someone you love them and you respect them. All that garbage about I, lo- I lie to you because I love you, it's garbage. Lying is a self-gratifying thing. Like you lie because you don't want to get in trouble. You lie because you don't want to get caught. When you're honest, it shows this person that you're willing to put it all out there. So if you're in a relationship where things are not honest, you may need to take a step back and realize, is this, is this really a loving, healthy relationship? Now, the part of the passage also says love bears and endures all, but be careful because I don't want you to think that being in love requires you to endure abuse. Love endures through tough times, but abuse is a sign of a lack of love. You do not endure abuse as a sign of love. Abuse is a sign that love is not present. So again, when we're thinking about the love that God wants for you, God does not want a love that makes you feel small. God does not want you to have a love that you feel mistreated, abused, not valued. So this also extends to even when you're dating. Are you talking to someone who is so self-centered that they don't take time to value you? Are you dating someone who is not generous, who is selfish? who you can tell is only dating, you know, for all of the wrong reasons. Open your eyes to see, is this person someone God has had for me? Now, I don't believe that, like, we as individuals are made for somebody else. Like, I wasn't just created so I could be somebody else's mate. But when you think of the fact that God spent so much time crafting you, that he knew you in your mother's womb, that he knows he's counted the hairs on your head and the eyelashes that you have, that he's counted every tear that you've had at night. When you know that God has put so much love into you, doesn't it make sense to think that he would want someone in your life as a relationship to give you more love? Doesn't it make sense that that's the love that God wants for you, that God wants you to have a healthy, happy relationship, that it's okay to walk away from a person who is not showing you healthy love? Now I say this all as a word, not only for those who are in relationships, but those who are not, when you're focusing on wanting a relationship, understand that you may be envying other people's relationships without understanding the purpose of love. Love and relationships exist to bring you closer to God and closer to your purpose. So what are you doing to develop that purpose? Ask yourself if wanting a relationship is distracting you from your purpose. I promise you that there is nothing that God wants for you that is going to take you away from your purpose. If you realize that you're putting a lot of effort into this relationship, but that you're not doing as well in school or you're not as driven when it comes to work, Or the fact that the relationship is so toxic, it's affecting you in terms of your ability to perform the work that God has called you to do. You have to have the strength to know that God wants better for you. Because the love that we want for ourselves is often subpar. We want the love that feels good, but not necessarily the love that is good for us. We want that instant attention. We want that feeling that I'm special. I was chosen. But if you're not orienting yourself around God's purpose, because God's purpose is not just so that you can pat yourself on the back. God has work for you to do. What are you doing to make sure that those relationships are pushing you towards that work? So that's really what I wanted to focus on in terms of talking about love. And even though it's not the top 10 ways to get a man, <laughs> I do think that it can help you to, to figure out who you are and how you navigate dating, whether it's being in a relationship or going on dates. You have to understand the value and importance that love has, that it's both the foundation of our religion and also the greatest thing we are called to do. We are called to love. So when you have that kind of respect for love, you know not to settle for less than. So you can see what love is and what love is not. And you can see that ultimately love is supposed to help us get closer to God's purpose. And I say all the time that where I see God's love the most is in the way that we treat each other. The intimacy of a friendship or a relationship that goes deeper than the superficial. I see God in that. So I pray that this encourages you to see God in your relationships. And to begin to assess what is and is not love and what is and is not pushing us towards our purpose. So in continuing with our theme of kind of understanding what love is and is not, I wanted to touch on abusive relationships And I think that it's important to listen to this part of the podcast, whether you're a person who is seeking a relationship or even if you're in a relationship and things are kind of going badly and you're beginning to wonder, is this a healthy relationship or is this borderline abusive? And even further, I think it's helpful if you're a person that maybe has a friend who may be in a relationship that just doesn't look healthy and you can't place exactly why it's not healthy. And I hope that you know, in talking about what makes for a abusive relationship or the signs of an abusive relationship can be helpful both to the people that are in a relationship who are seeking to be in a relationship or who have friends that are in a relationship. And I wanted to talk a little bit about you know, not just give you the signs, because there's a million different signs, but also to talk about how it seems good in the beginning, but then can quickly turn into being abusive. Because a lot of times when you have a person who is a particularly toxic individual, they either are intentionally grooming you for future mistreatment. Or they're testing the waters to see how much you'll put up with. So as we're going through some of these signs, I do want to include like how, in the beginning, it can seem like it's a good thing. But in the end, it ultimately ends up being abusive. So first thing is a quick uh, a push for a quick involvement and in- exclusive commitment right away. So if you're dating someone, and it seems that they want to lock it down really quickly, like, I like you, I like you, I like you, you should be my girlfriend. Initially, that seems really sweet, right? Like in a land where so many people are like, oh my gosh, he won't commit to me. And oh my gosh, you know, he's not, he doesn't want to be my boyfriend. He just wants to have, you know, the relationship, but without the title. If you have someone that wants to be committed super fast, it can seem exciting. It can feel really gratifying because this person has chosen you. I want to say be careful, A part of the process of dating is getting to know someone and a lot of those red flags that can help you know that this person is not the one for you can be seen if you just give it more time. I do believe that there are people who are manipulative and will hide who they are for days, months, weeks, years. But sometimes you, number one, by slowing things down, you can scare off a person who wants to move quickly just so that they can trap you, right? Because they may be like, this is not worth my time. But also with time, you can begin to see the erosion of the facade that they're trying to put up. So you can begin to see, you know, this person isn't perfect. When he gets upset, he gets really violent. Those are things that you can see when you have more time. So, you know, a sign that this person may, you know, maybe this in and of itself is not the telltale sign of an abusive relationship, but if a person's just really quick to lock it down, I would just say, question that. You know, why are you in such a rush? What, what are you trying to hide, you know? So the next thing is that there's constant jealousy and attempts to be controlling. Now, again, this is something that at first can be seen as endearing and then quickly turn into abuse. So if you have a person that's just like, I want all of your time, I want, to, I want to be around you all day, it can be sweet at first because you're in that stage where you're spending time together. But you can also begin to see how that can change very quickly into being jealous, where if you are doing something like just going to work, that person is like, where are you going? Who are you with? You know, now obviously I believe in a relationship. You should be honest. You know, you should be saying, hey, I'm heading to work. But if you're saying those things and they're just not believing you and they're constantly being like, you must be talking to such and such. And there's constant attempts to be controlling and you can't go this place and you're going that where that place dressed like that. Those are all signs of a slippery slope to something that's abusive that in the beginning can seem really sweet and endearing, but ultimately, you know, a person being in controlling is not necessarily how is not love. You know, love should be liberating and freeing. And if you have a person that's trying to control you, that's that's not healthy. Another sign is isolation, and that kind of goes again with the attempts to be controlling. If they're saying things like, your family and your friends don't love you, it's me and you against the world, you're all that I need, and things like that, and and constantly pushing you away from being with other people, be careful about that. Um, The person that you're with in a healthy relationship would want to get to know your friends, would want to begin to incorporate your life, you know, not necessarily change who you are and your relationships, but add to it. So if you have a person that's constantly being like, you know, you shouldn't hang out with this person and that person's not really your friend, be careful of a person who's trying to isolate you. Because a lot of times that's a tactic that abusers use is they make you dependent on them. And, you can't run away because there's nowhere to run to. You've isolated all your other friends. You've constantly chosen your relationship with this guy or this girl over your friendships. And eventually they're not going to want to be around you. You know, like if you're constantly canceling on them so that you can be around this controlling person, they're not going to want to be around you. And a lot of times that's a tool that an abusive person uses. Um, Another sign of an abusive relationship is that they are that they blame everyone else for their flaws and they don't take responsibility for their actions. So if they constantly blame you for their anger, that it's your fault, um, they don't take accountability for their mistakes, they're constantly saying, well, if this person would have just done what I told them to do, just be careful of those situations. Um, I mean, generally, it's not healthy to be in a relationship with someone that can't take responsibility for their actions, but it can be very... Very quickly go to being abusive because then he turn that he or she may turn that on you, um, that they begin to blame you for their own flaws and that's a slippery slope because then it becomes well they only yell at me because it's my fault they only hit me because it's my fault those are it's a very slippery slope the next thing is um, if if a person is cruel to animals or children or just cruel to people in general you should be on red alert for that like if you're dating someone and they're constantly rude to, um, you know, people in the service industry, like they yell at waiters and or they yell at children. "Um, You should run away. You should run away very quickly because a person like that has no compassion. And they're a person that can very easily separate um, the humanity of a child or a person who has a job to do. And they can very quickly separate your humanity as well. And it's, it's just not a healthy relationship to be in. Another sign is verbal abuse, name calling, embarrassment in front of others, picking at your appearance, um, especially in front of other people, but also when you're by yourself. Um, it's just... It's, it's verbal abuse is very real in terms of the effects that it can have on your self-esteem, and it's another tool to make you dependent on the person. You begin to doubt your own judgment. You thought you were smart, but this person tells you you're stupid, and you begin to think that that's really who you are. Um, that's just another dangerous sign. Another thing is very rigid roles, often along gender lines, with the expectation that you obey and keep quiet. Um, Now, if you're dating a guy who wants to put you in a place as a woman, be very careful about that. Be very careful of a man telling you what you should and shouldn't do based off of your own gender. But also be careful of women who are emotionally abusive and who make fun of you if you have emotions. Um, There are women who will use gender roles to make you feel like your feelings don't matter. That's, you know they'll call you a pussy or you know things like that really inappropriate things to make you feel bad about yourself. So be careful of those very rigid roles that either that exist only for the purpose of silencing you. The next sign it's a very clear sign is threats of violence or getting violent when arguing. If you have a person that you're dating who punches walls every time they get upset, it's a very quick turnover until that anger gets turned onto you a person who threatens you, I'm going to kick your ass. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I can't wait until I see you. and I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. It again, it's, it's a lot of it is just testing the waters. Do you stick around after he punches a hole in the wall? Do you stick around after she says she's going to kick your ass? Because it's very, you know, the more and more they can push you, the more that they think it's okay. Another sign is sexual manipulation. Um, so yeah, even though I'm a person who's celibate, obviously I know that sex can have a very powerful, um, presence in relationships in a very unhealthy way. Um, you know, if you're dating a partner who makes you feel guilt or shame or uses sex or withholding sex as a game or who is unusually forceful when you're having sex, that can be a sign of abuse. Know that a person can rape you or sexually assault you even if you're dating. So if you're telling them no and they continue to push on you and they're continually to say, come on, baby, come on, that is abuse when they're not respecting your no, they're not respecting your boundaries, or even more, if they start to play games with you or they try to embarrass you or more and more their sexual kink is about making you feel less than. Be careful about that, especially if that then translates outside of the bedroom. And finally, you know, a person who threatens to commit suicide if you leave or a person that threatens to harm themselves if you leave. Now, obviously... You know, this, this is a tool of manipulation. Sometimes a person is genuinely suicidal, but if they're using that as a tool to keep you around, they're holding you hostage. They want you to feel guilty that if you leave and something happens, it's your fault. Understand that this is a tactic. They're using it to keep you in a place where they know you shouldn't be. To go to the extremes, to, to pressure you in that kind of way means that they know exactly what they're doing. So all of these, you know, like I said, there's a ton of different signs. Sometimes just one of these things or one in conjunction with others are a sign that this is an abusive relationship. Understand that a healthy relationship is not about control and embarrassment. It's about feeling liberated and feeling free and love should uplift you. And if you feel like you're in a situation where love is tying you down and it's beginning to change who you are and the relationships you have with other people, please get help. Um, I've included on the worksheet the the National Domestic Violence Hotline, which is 1-800-799-7233. And you can also go to www.thehotline.org. And feel free to use these resources whether you're in a relationship or you see a friend who's struggling and you don't know what to say or do. These domestic violence hotlines are not just for the people who are being battered and abused, but also for the loved ones who want to know what to do and how to help. So I hope that this has been helpful. Um, you know I am by no means a counselor or a therapist, so I know that you know when it comes to being in an abusive relationship, it's never your fault. And I just want you to be okay. I want you to be happy and I want you to be loved. And I want you to be on alert for those people who are manipulating your emotional vulnerabilities because that's not your fault if someone mistreats you. and I want you to feel loved and cherished. I want you to be okay. For the final part of the podcast, I'm going to answer a question that was sent in to my Tumblr. If you have a question, you can send it to strengthandshieldpodcast at gmail.com, or you can send me a message message on youngblackandvegan.tumblr.com, and just put in the message that you'd like it to be answered on the podcast. All questions are answered anonymously, and if you send it to me via email, there's an increased chance that I'll answer your question quicker, okay? So, Here's the question. How exactly do you put God in front of a relationship? I'm 17, and I honestly haven't had that interest in dating because I want to date to marry, not to waste time and become too invested in something toxic. I'm scared of even mentioning God in situationships, and then they fizzle, and when I do, they fizzle out. Um. So this question was interesting to me because um, I had to both put on my hat as a person who knows what it's like to have been 17 and then also a person who is like a grown adult, right? So wanting to date to marry at 17 is not necessarily a goal that I particularly understand. Um, At 17, you should be focusing on getting to know God so that God can tell you what your goals in dating should be. Um, because based off of this questions, it sounds like you have it in your mind that you want to date to marry and you're looking for it to be how you want it to be. But you know, you, you're not necessarily putting God first by making your relationship with God secondary to your goal of being married. You have to trust that God will help you to grow. And as a result, eventually marriage will come up. So when I say this, I'm not trying to belittle the fact, like obviously when you're 17, you know, wanting to be in love, wanting to have a relationship, it's completely normal. The problem that I have is having the perspective of I want to date to marry. And sometimes there's other reasons to date. Sometimes you date to figure out who you should and shouldn't be with. And I don't mean it in terms of a way that's like, oh, you know, you should use the people you're dating. No, no, no. You should be genuine. You should be honest, all of that. What I'm trying to say is not every relationship is going to end in marriage. And if you're walking into every relationship thinking, excuse me, every relationship thinking, this is going to be the person I'm going to marry or it's a waste of time, you're both gonna miss out on opportunities to have a genuine connection with someone, even if it doesn't result in marriage. And you're going to miss out on opportunities that should be, you know, missed out on situations where God is telling you to leave, but you're so focused on, well, I'm dating to marry so that you end up staying. Okay. Like this is the kind of mindset where you decide that you want marriage and then you ask God to fix it later. Because ultimately the question you're asking is how do you put God first? So you first have to ask God, am I even ready for marriage? You know, like to have the mindset of God, I'm ready to marry. So what are you going to do? It's kind of arrogant, you know? If you think about it, really, like you're telling God that you know that you want to be dating for marriage. So snap, snap, what's the next step? Now, it may be interesting because I just finished saying, you know, there's power in love. There's power in marriage. God does call us to be married. You know what I'm saying? But I think there's a difference between allowing yourself to let God move in your life and you telling God, this is what I want to do. So I don't want to waste time. You know, at 17, you have time. You have time to discover who you are. And I can say now as a person who's 27, what I wanted in a mate at 17 was not what God wanted for me. At 17, even though I considered myself to be a very mature 17, I did not know what I wanted. And I think that there is this idea that as a teenager you're so close to being an adult, you get upset when someone tells you that you're not ready. And I think there is a maturity in saying, I'm not ready. There's a maturity in saying, hey, I haven't even gone to college yet. Why am I talking about marriage? Or I haven't even gotten into a situation where I've lived on my own. Why am I talking about marriage? You have to question a desire to want to be married at an age when you're supposed to be wanting to discover who you are as a person. Like you can't expect to be in a healthy relationship where the goal is marriage rather than companionship. And in order to know who your mate is, you have to know who you are, what does and doesn't work for you. And if you're not dating to explore those things, because I'm a big proponent in dating multiple people, obviously without the sex, but date around, date different people, date people that you thought would never be the one for you. Begin to determine, um, I can put up with that, but I can't put up with that. Sometimes being so focused on, you know, I just want to date and I don't want to waste time, you miss out on the fact that you have an opportunity to develop a relationship with God that will help you with your discernment in dating, you know? So I'm going to ask, did God tell you to date for marriage? Did God tell you that you should be thinking about marriage right now? Or is that your idea? Did God give you the conviction that at 17 you need to be thinking about marriage? Or are you, you know, and it sounds like you're kind of a person who's, who has a very mature understanding of, of, of life and you know the different. you don't want something that's toxic. It sounds like you kind of are mature for a 17-year-old. You are thinking about these things. But did God tell you that right now you should be focusing on marriage? Is there really nothing else that God is telling you to do? God's not telling you to work on things like, you know, your character, your personality, your boundaries, your relationships with your friends and your family. Is God really not telling you to, to move forward in those ways? Are you giving all that you can to your church? Are you giving all that you can when it comes to Bible study? Those are questions I think that are more important than the relationship stuff because the relationship stuff will come. That's the way that God works is like without you having to tell God what to do, God is already moving. So it's about how do you spend the time as you wait for God to move in your life? So I say that in a very blunt way because you seem to be a very mature 17-year-old, so I just wanted to be honest. I think that it is immature to presume that you know the kind of dating situation that God wants for you without first asking God that. You need to first be asking, does God want me to focus on marriage right now? Or are there some other things that I need to be doing as a 17-year-old that... It should be taking up more of my time. For me, when I was 17, I was focused on college. When I was 17, I was focused on setting myself up so that as soon as possible, I could move out of home. (laughs) You know, like what, what are you doing to get on your own two feet? What are you doing to move from being the responsibility of your parents to being the responsibility of the person that you're dating? What are you doing to establish yourself as an adult? before engaging in what ultimately is a very adult thing, which is pursuing marriage. So I hope that helps, hon. I hope that talking to you in a very blunt, mature way is a way for me to respect that at, a, at 17, you do have a mature understanding, but you can also have the immaturity to know that I'm not ready for that yet. God is calling me to do some other things before I start lining myself up for marriage. So that's it. We're at the end of this episode. I hope that you have found it to be helpful. I pray that you have a great Valentine's Day, whether you're celebrating with someone else or you're having an alone day or maybe even a Galentine's Day, Um, spending time with your friends. Understand that there's so many different kinds of love, love that goes beyond just romantic. Make sure that you're cherishing the relationships you have with your friends, with your family, that you're showing them love. You know, are you going to call your mom to wish her a happy Valentine's Day? Are you going to text your friends to say happy Valentine's Day and tell them that you love them? This is the time to do that. You know, Valentine's Day is not exclusively just for lovers. And I I bet you texting a friend that you haven't said I love you to in a long time is going to give you that warmth feeling that that will help with that emptiness if you're a person that's kind of upset and you know feeling a little lonely on this valentine's day Thank you for listening to this episode. Um, Thank you for allowing me to be transparent and honest. You know, we all go through struggles and I've said at the beginning of this podcast when I started it that this is therapeutic for me. It pushes me to be spiritual and it pushes me to be honest. And I thank you for allowing me to have the space to do that in this episode. If you could, if you've enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes, rate, comment. Um, Let me know how this podcast is helping you. Let me know if this episode has touched you, if it's helped you to understand the love that God wants for you Um, give me that feedback it really helps the podcast and it really helps me to know that I'm doing what you guys need me to do and what God is calling me to do so I would just encourage you to to know that commenting on this podcast rating it it does a lot of good work and I pray that as I'm willing to pour into you that you can take some time to pour into me it helps so much Um, so until the next time take care of yourself beloved